Let's welcome tonight's speaker, Poonam. I'm Poonam. I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, Poonam. I came to the program, I think, 14 years ago. And I say I think because when I came, it was never a landmark. I had tried all the commercial diets. So I wasn't going to remember exactly when I came because I expected the outcome to be just like all the others. Um, I came into the program at 240 pounds. I'm maintaining 100-pound weight loss. I was and am a compulsive reader as far back as I can remember. started in my childhood. I remember when I was maybe four or five years old, my father feeding me a big mound of something sweet because he thought if I had an overdose of that, then I wouldn't want it anymore. Because even at that young age, he could see how I ate that thing. And it embarrassed him because I was doing that in front of his friends. Um, And so I did whatever it took. Um, I'm the hardcore compulsive overeater, who especially, especially when nuts over sweet things. So I ate things out of the garbage, rotten food, leftover food, somebody else's food. It never ever deterred me. I stole at a young age so I could, I could go buy snacks, stole money from my father's Handkerchief. He would tie his money. He would fish it out of his pocket, tie it in a handkerchief, leave it on the mantle. Um, I stole food from other kids at school. I was a school teacher. I raided the faculty refrigerator. I was working late, right? So the moment everybody left, I was going through people's cartons of leftover whatever, and God knows how old some of that stuff was, mm-hmm. um, and then making it look like nobody had touched it. So... Food was always my demon. When I came into the program, I was, as I said, 100 pounds overweight. I didn't think I was 100 pounds overweight. I just thought I was big boned. So I was overweight, but I was beginning to feel quite desperate. I had tried all the commercial diets, um, and Some of them I had success for a little bit, but then I would go back and I would gain even more weight than I had lost previously. I was feeling really desperate. I had triplet kids that were about three years old. Um, I had raging blood pressure, high blood pressure. I'd had very severe gestational diabetes when I was pregnant, so I knew what that felt like pricking my finger several times a day and shooting insulin. Um, And um, in fact, uh, I think they'd given me all the insulin they could, so they were talking about giving me some experimental insulin made out of pigs, something. Um, So, but even though um, I was no longer diabetic when I came to the program, I was borderline diabetic, and I didn't want to become diabetic because I knew I had suffered all through the pregnancy with that. I knew what that felt like. But I couldn't help myself. The moment sweet things came, I was, I was, you know, 
not that they came my way. I found them. First thing in the morning, I would find them. And then all day, it would be, I'd be wowing to myself that tomorrow was going to be different. And after this bite, it was going to be different. And after this thing was going to be different. But it never was. The next day would be exactly like the day before. And I was feeling really hopeless. I felt I was going to die an early death. My doctor was talking about putting me on Lipitor. I, I felt like I'd had these kids after, after a horrendous 10-year journey of, you know, fertility journey, and I felt I wasn't going to watch them grow up even to become teens at the rate I was going with my health. And um, so about that time, I read an article in the Chronicle on um, Overeaters Anonymous. I've never seen an article on, in the Chronicle, front page article, about OA ever since. And um, so I, I hadn't heard of OA. I read it with great interest because it described OA as the last house on the block for people with compulsive overeating. I knew I was a compulsive overeater. There was no doubt in my mind about that. So I decided to go to the meeting. And I was just somehow really emotionally overwrought when I went to the meeting. I remember I was kind of shaking because this was the last house on the block. And it was really important for me. So once we sat down, I was really curious because I'd gone to all this diet stuff and there were no calories. There was no, this was different. And when the people started talking, maybe there were about 10 or 12 people, I realized, to my great surprise, that these people were talking about what it was like inside of me. I didn't know anybody else felt like this. I didn't know, this was all my secret. This was the stuff that I had dealt with since childhood, and nobody else seemed to have this. But here were the people just talking about this stuff, and it felt like a powerful homecoming to me. I knew I was home for the first time in my life. And I vowed to do whatever these people were doing. These were my people. Besides, this was the last house. So where else was I going to go? Because I had tried every commercial program, and I was considering at that point, seriously considering doing bariatric surgery because my doctor had mentioned that. I don't know if he was hinting, but he had told me about another patient who had done it, and she had lost 100 pounds. And in my head, because he didn't directly say I was a candidate, I thought I had about 85 to lose, and then, but I couldn't lose even five. So I was beginning to research it in my mind, and I thought my insurance would pay if I had 100 to lose. So I was considering putting on the 15 pounds <laughs> to, to have somebody pay for it. But I was a little scared of it. So, so at that point, I came into OA. And I heard that more meetings I went to better my chances. So I started going to meetings. At the second meeting, somebody walked up to me at the, at the end of the meeting and asked me if I would like her to be my temporary sponsor. I liked that because temporary I could handle. So I said, sure. So she was my temporary sponsor. She was a visiting professor or something. 
And those days in OA, especially in the East Bay, people talked about what their abstinence was. As they shared, they, they talked about it. So I heard people say that, um, I heard people say they ate three meals a day and nothing in between. I heard people say their abstinence was no sugar, no flour. And I didn't know what abstinence meant. So at the end of the meeting, I asked somebody what that word meant. And uh, I thought three meals a day, that sounds really good. In along my journey, my doctor had sent me to a nutritionist who had drawn a food plan based on the kinds of things I like to eat. She didn't put sugar on there, but but the other stuff that I like to eat. And uh, but I had never been able to keep to that plan even for a single day. It was just impossible. I, several times I had started off in the morning, and then by afternoon it was completely shot. So it was. After a while, I decided it wasn't going to work for me. But I heard people talk about food plan. So I dug out this food plan that this nutritionist had made for me a, a long time ago. And um, I started working the food plan. And I think it had a couple snacks at that point. I also heard no sugar bit. And I knew that sugar was my ultimate downfall. There's no way I could stay away from it even though every single day I was petrified that I would get full-blown full diabetes if I continued eating sugar the way I was eating. But one morning I decided to give it a try, and um, somehow it was noon and I hadn't had any sugar, and it just felt too good to be true. And then I just held on to it, and then it was afternoon and evening, and I just could not believe it that I'd had so many hours of no sugar. And then somehow it was dinner, and I don't even know how I put myself to bed without eating sugar. But I, next morning, I knew that I was never, ever going to see that day again. Sugar was just so powerful. I was so enslaved by it that, that a day like that had never happened to me before, and I didn't think a day like this would come again. So the next day, I didn't want to jinx it. I held on to it, and then I had another day, and then another day, and then it was three or four days, a week, a month, and I've been sugar-free ever since. And I've been sugar-free, I'm so grateful, because I know if I start eating that, I don't think I can come back. I really don't think, I cannot put sugar down again. And so I became abstinent from sugar. Um, that sponsor left. I had another sponsor. Uh, she and I were really good friends. I liked her a great deal. But I started yo-yoing. I was working the steps, sort of. But I was finding the easier, softer, gentler way. Because I had so much stuff in my past. <coughs> There's no way I was going to share that with anybody. It was stuff. I had been sexually molested since young age, two and a half, three years old, over a period of time. There was stuff I had done with food. It was stuff I wasn't going to. So I was trying to find an easier, gentler way, and it wasn't working for me. I was yo-yoing, even though I didn't do sugar, but I can do a lot of damage with everything else. And... Um, and so I was 
sort of working program, but I was beginning to get desperate again. I didn't know why it wasn't working for me. When somebody brought me to San Francisco Wednesday night meeting, and at this meeting, I heard this woman say that she didn't negotiate with food anymore. And that felt like a bombshell to me, not negotiate with food, because this is how I lived my life all day long. Even though I was in program, even though I was abstinent from sugar, this is how I lived. I was negotiating with food constantly. You know, one more bite, one more muscle, what if I substituted this for this and whatever, and what if this didn't have this, but whatever. And, uh, and then another meeting, I heard her say that um, she had a certain way of doing a 10th step that, that when she started doing it, food became low-grade static for her, and she felt the presence of her higher power palpably around her. She could reach out and touch her higher power. I wanted that. I wanted my food to be low-grade static more than anything else because I was ruled by, fear, by food all day. So at the end of the meeting, I asked her. So she, she told me her method, and I also told her that I was ruled by food constantly. She said, well, why don't you write about what are you afraid of to truly give yourself to this program? I had no idea what she was talking about. I'm like, you want me to write about that? She's like, yeah. Just write about what are you afraid of to truly give yourself to this program? I didn't think I was afraid. So she said, I said, for how long, whatever? She said, you know, just two, three minutes, whatever comes for you. So over the next few days, I would say, you know, what am I afraid of to give myself to the program? And things started coming up. I... I was afraid of giving up my favorite foods. I was afraid of being thin because thin people were starving people in my mind. How else could they be thin? I was afraid of all sorts of things. I didn't know how to be that person because I had always been, you know, with my big self, protective self. And then I started doing the writing the way she had told me. So I started writing step three prayer, word for word. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou will. Relieve me of the bondage of self. I realize that my bondage of self is fear. I don't have any other enemies in the world. It's just me. It's my own bondage. And I started writing, and I started writing, God, I'm afraid, and let, or God, I'm resentful, God, I'm angry, and let things come up, whatever it was. And I realized that I was a really fearful person. I was I had all I had no idea I was a fearful person. You know, major fear like getting my hand chopped off if I was in some I don't know, Saudi Arabia and had stolen something or something bizarre like that, but I lived in fear. I had no idea. So I started writing stuff and uh I started getting to know myself. I realized that these things, these anxieties, these low-grade fears made me, they twisted me on the inside, they squeezed me and I reached for food. Or, or my angers or resentments were nothing but huge fear clusters of some kind or the other. And then started ending with step seven prayer, 
my creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, the good and the bad. I pray now that you remove from me, etc. And then I had to call somebody and give that away. So I started calling people and then just giving it away. She was my sponsor. I asked her to sponsor me. She became my sponsor. And I started doing that, and I realized that doing this was so powerful for me because when I wrote, it put me in direct contact with my higher power. And when I wrote, it put me in contact with my deepest feelings. And when I gave it away, it unzipped me. That's the only way I can think of. It completely unzipped my insides. I could see what was happening inside. It made me vulnerable like nothing did, nothing else did. And, and it made me so humble. This was true humility for me to give it away. But the rewards were so great. Food instantly became low-grade static. I started losing weight. Everything I had done, nothing seemed to work. And now food really was low-grade static. I started losing weight. I started seeing direction in my life. Because as I wrote, I said, I would write out my fears and I'd say, what should I do, God? And I would get an answer, you know, nothing, surrender, or call such and such, or do this. And, and my life started working out. And, um, and that became a practice. I continue to do that. Um, now it's been about six years of doing it. And I realized that these days for me, when I write it out, the answer I hear the most when I say, what should I do about it, God? The answer always consistently is do nothing. Surrender, take care of yourself. And I realize the biggest message for me is one of self-care. Because I can get so, the way I lived my life before, I could get so embroiled in anything exciting and anything dramatic and family drama and um so taking care of other people, fixing other people, giving direction, being the director, uh, anything and everything so I didn't have to deal with what I was going through or what I really needed to do for me. So now the message is I need to take care of me. That's number one, no matter what. And I need to take care of me these days on various fronts. I need to do my writing. That's very important. I need to go to three meetings a week because for me, two to survive and three to thrive is absolutely a fact. I need to do daily prayer and meditation. I started out by doing 20 minutes of meditation in the morning and 20 minutes at night. In 2009, I met somebody in India while I was traveling and taught me how to meditate and said, if you do this for two months, you will see what will happen in your life. And I didn't think I could do it for you know 20 minutes every single day, morning. He said, okay, do it for 10. And I said, 10? He's like, okay, do it for five. <laughs> so I started doing that for 20, and now it has bloomed, so I do about an hour in the morning, an hour at night. I need to go to any lengths to do these things that sustain me. So these days I've been going to any lengths to do my hour in the morning and hour at night. I need to make abstinence number one. So 
For me, that involves knowing what is being served if I'm going to a food event. And if I'm not sure what's being served, bring it with me. Bring my abstinent meal with me. I can go in, I can see what's being served, and if I'm not taken care of, then I can eat my food. Because I learned the hard way that nobody really cares what I'm eating. So I went to a wedding where food was being served. It was all finger food. There were no plates. And I measure my food by my eyes. At home, I measure it with cups. And so pretty soon, I was in deep trouble at that party. But I learned, and a month later, the second brother was getting married. So I brought my food with me. And it was great. So, and I realized nobody cares that, you know, I'm bringing out my Tupperware and eating my food. Uh, If I go on conventions and whatever, I bring three or four days food. I ask for a refrigerator in the room because I say that's my medicine. I, and food is my medicine, so I don't care if it's cold or whatever. I just need to take care of me. Um, I need to... um, these are sort of the basic things, three or four things that I, I pay attention to every single day. But also I know that I'm the big loser and I know that with, with 100 pounds, and I read some article in Time magazine or somewhere that people who have lost 100 pounds or more are likely to put that weight back on in five years. So I'm... I've crossed the five years. So I am in the danger zone. I really need to... So I'm not cured. And it's so easy to think, oh, I know how to do this. But really, a miracle, a complete, total miracle has happened to me. I never, ever expected it to happen to me. I never expected to be in a normal-sized body. And I never expected to have all the gifts I have today. So, but it's mine one day at a time. So on a daily basis, I need to take care of myself. And every single day, I am so grateful to this program because this program literally has saved my life. Mm -hmm. And more than saving my life, medically speaking and physically speaking, it has brought me such spiritual presence which I didn't expect and I was not looking for because when I came, I, was, I only came to lose weight. But these are such great gifts. And when I'm in that zone, I feel my life is moving just the way it should. So things come, things go. But if I hold on to the program and hold on to my meditation program, it just, it just unfolds so gently and so beautifully. Thank you.